welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, our guest is interior designer Lorna Gross of Lorna Gross Interior Design, based in Washington, D.C., Lorna opened her design practice in 2006 and runs a five-person firm. When we spoke with her, she was in the midst of juggling a half a dozen large residential design projects, working on college essays with one of her children, and editing Designers Today's first issue of 2021. More on the latter later. Design is Lorna's second career. What she studied and sought a career in first was marketing, and she liked it just fine until one day she didn't, and she realized that the scientific part of it was far outweighing the creative. Coincidentally, just as she was burning out, she attended an out-of-town company workshop where one of the counselors caught a whiff of her lack of career fulfillment and encouraged her to find an alternative that would light her up. This set Lorna on a six-month investigation of self, which involved reading a ton of books and interviewing family and friends. Her research led her to interior design. Lorna writes, My childhood adoration for Lincoln Logs, sketching houses, and studying my father's floor plans were a sign. Then layer on top my love for textiles cultivated by my teacher and seamstress mother and an odd pleasure I got from the smell of lumber in hardware stores. With an atypical attention to detail and a yearning for entrepreneurship, all signs pointed toward interior design. Her father, by the way, was a contractor. In late November, Lorna accepted the invitation to serve as Designers Today's first guest editor-in-chief. And boy, did she rock that role. The high achiever she confesses to be gave 100% plus, treating this role like an extension of her business and her reputation. The level of care she took in communicating with all of the designers and creative talent involved in the issue, how she kept Andrea and I informed and met deadlines, we could not have asked for a more suited human to work with us on this inaugural journey. What makes the timing of all this utterly exciting is, as you will find out soon, this is Lorna's year of unapologetic visibility. She made that declaration and kept her commitment despite the challenges this year. In the podcast, she delves deeper into what this all means and tells us that if she had not declared it, she probably would not have said yes to being the GE. Anyway, Lorna is pure delight, and I can't wait anymore for you to know her. We recorded this podcast over Zoom. In attendance, me, Jane Dagme, Lorna Gross, and Andrea Lillo, DT's managing editor. Andrea, take it away. Hello, my name is Andrea Lillo, and I'm the managing editor of Designers Today. And we're so excited because today we have, I mean, of course, Jane Dagme is here, the editor-in-chief of Designers Today, but we also have our inaugural 
guest editor-in-chief for our January-February issue, Lorna Gross. Lorna, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So we're, it's, it's, we're in production this week for the issue, so we're going a little crazy, but we thought we would take some time out to talk to Lorna, get her perspective of how she, you know, uh, experienced, you know, putting together an issue uh, for designers today. But before we dive into that, I know she's taken notes and all of that stuff. We want to ask her a few questions and get to know her because for the people out there who don't know who you are, you're an experienced longtime interior designer, and we would love to introduce you to our audience. So we'll dive right into it if you if you're ready for it. Let's dive in. <laughs> well, I just learned today that you you uh, you lived in Louisiana for a long time, but you actually were born and raised on Long Island. So can you talk about the transition from Long Island to Louisiana? Sure. First of all, let me just say, I like how you said Louisiana the first time. Like that's a native way of saying it. So really? you must have been there. You must have visited <laughs> or have been hanging around some Louisiana folks. <laughs> so, uh, so, the, so the transition wasn't bad. I was only eight um, when we moved. What I think I missed most was the snow because I remember most the winter before we moved. Um, where I was able to create these wonderful igloos in my front yard with my sister. So um, when we moved down to Louisiana, there was no more of that. It was <laughs> all of a sudden humidity and heat. <laughs> We're actually getting our first snowstorm uh, tomorrow. So I'm not looking forward to that. It could be like up to foot. So I, I don't, I would not miss snow. I'm sorry. Snow. <laughs> I'm thinking igloos. It's her first architectural foray, right? Like, there we go. <laughs> Build my first snow environment. <laughs> and you you didn't kick off your career as an interior designer. You started off as you know in marketing in school. How did you choose marketing or what it appealed to you about that? Right. So I was always a very independent soul. And I grew up in a town that was blue collar. So I was intent on creating an independent life for myself. I knew that I was creative, but I also thought, hey, you know what? Let me see if I can pick a profession that is pragmatic enough that I can sustain a long career, but has a little bit of creativity. So that's how I landed in marketing. Hmm. And how did you make the switch? Like what made you think this, I'm not in the right career for me. I have to switch to interior design. Well, it's interesting because... The town that I grew up in was not a wealthy town and there were no interior designers, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even part of a conversation. An architect, yes, we knew what that was, but not necessarily that there was a profession or a career that was even available in interior design. So sometimes I think back and wonder, would I have made that choice if I knew? Mm -hmm. But um, about eight years into my corporate uh, uh, America career, I, um, I went to a, a workshop that my company sent me to for management. And um, at the end of the week, the counselor said to me, okay, Lorna, here's the thing. Your scores are really high, but there's a problem. So I say to them, okay, well, what's the problem? And they're like, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing for a living. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so exactly what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And simultaneously, it was funny because this light bulb went off. I had been 
getting a little fatigued with standard deviations and efficacy rates and things like that because I was working in pharmaceuticals. You know, so it was a very science heavy kind of career um, versus being overly creative in marketing. Um, so I felt I'd been feeling for a while that I wanted to make a shift. But what was interesting about the counselors is when I said, what should I be doing? They were like, well, we can't tell you that. You got to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> so, so then, you know, I remember getting off the plane after the conference was over, going to Barnes and Noble because it was open until 11 o'clock at night and see if I could find a book that would help me figure out what the heck I was supposed to be doing with my life. And um, six months later, after interviewing family members and considering, you know, my life, my, my preferences, I landed on interior design. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, and I, uh, you had said this morning in a, a prior email about um, you took six months off. Was that, I was, at first I imagined you went to India or something to kind of, play, <laughs> but I assume that wasn't what you did. Eat, pray, design. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been my preference. <laughs> I still had to pay bills. So that was not yeah. an option. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I continued to work and, um, and I just, I read a book. I was evaluating. I wrote a lot. Like I wrote, you know, that thing where you, what do you want written on your tombstone? It's like, you know, on your last days, what would you look back on and think, oh, I wish I would have done that. I interviewed people from a vast amount of different careers. And it just so happens that one of the last ones I interviewed was an interior designer who was from Toronto. And she told me, and she'd been working in the profession, I think for maybe 20 or 30 years, she said, Lorna, she said, and I met her in the shoe store. It was crazy. It was just, it was, by the way, my favorite word is serendipity. And that was definitely serendipitous. So she was just, I was fascinated by her. She was telling me about how when she started, she couldn't wear pants and how when she was pregnant, she couldn't go to work. I mean, it was the whole thing, but she just seemed so happy in her career and so fulfilled in her career. And to me, it just checked all the boxes. My mother was a teacher, but she was also a seamstress. So we always had these wonderful textiles around the house. And my father was a contractor and I just loved reading through his floor plans all the time, like especially bathrooms. Like why I went up to look at toilets is beyond me, but hey. <laughs> um, but and then, you know, it, it struck me, oh, this is why when I go into a hardware store, I get excited from the smell of lumber because he would always take us with him when he had to run these errands. And so everything kind of came full circle for me. Um, all of my past experiences wound up informing who I was to be in that moment. That's very cool. And it seems like even though your parents weren't directly in interior design, they helped feed that that desire a little bit. And you, thank God you, you came across it, right? I mean, you sounds like you really found your calling. I did. I did. And I, I had already gotten two business degrees. So I was kind of angry with myself because I was like feeling like I'd wasted so much time. Um, Cause I went back to school to get my interior design degree also. And then, you know, fast forwarding a few years later, I'm like, Oh, this is God's plan. I can use all of this as a business. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, even though you were you started in a different career, you could use your marketing and your business. And that probably makes you such a much stronger interior designer because you're not just thinking about the fun stuff. You're doing the, the business, the business of every day. Exactly. And I think it made me less afraid mm -hmm. because yeah. I was already familiar with the business concepts. Mm -hmm. 
true. Do you think because marketing was your specialty, does that come up for you, you know, daily, weekly? Are you using any of the principles of marketing that you learned in design or is it different? It's different. Um, The different tactics and the means is different, but strategically it's the same. It's like, who is your audience and how are you going to reach them? And how are they going to relate to you? And and I think it's changed over time, right? Because when I first started, even in an, and I'm in the midst of a rebranding, so I'm, I'm in this right now. You know, when I first started, it was all about your expertise, your experience, um, you know, your credentials, your licensing. And now clients really are more attracted to who you are as the person. So even the way that you speak and you relate to clients has changed, but it's still, it's still marketing. It's just a matter of strategically figuring out how you're going to get that message across in the most effective way. Right. I, I want to come back to the rebranding, but I, but in order to do that, I feel like we need to just backtrack because I want to know, so you went to school for interior design then, and then how did you start working in the field? So I actually had done a couple of internships, one for a design company that had designed palaces in the Middle East, wow. and then another that um, had a design firm in the back and a, and a furniture storefront uh, in the front. And I remember saying to my husband toward the end of my internship, which was also toward the end of my schooling, okay, you know, I'm getting ready to wrap this up and I'm probably going to have to work for a few years before I open up my own business. And he looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? You can open up your business right now. You already have the skill set to do it. And it was like this aha moment, like, uh, I can. (laughs) And then I was like, I can, because I had already gotten the equipment. So I jumped in. Mm-hmm. Well, how nice to have that supportive, you know, partner to kind of tell you, make you push and because otherwise you might, you know, it might take you longer to get there. That's awesome. Yes. So when did you open up your firm? What year? January of 2006. And was it just you? It was just me. And about maybe six months later, I hired an intern. Mm-hmm. So how big is it now, your firm? Five persons. Okay. You know, we've, we'll get to talking about this, but having um, been reading over scaling your business, which is the topic <laughs> of our business story, you know, while, while Andrea and I have been reading about um, five principles of different firms, I kept thinking, I wonder how Lorna scaled her business, you know, <laughs> how that happened as well. So, um, so how how did you? I mean, is five like the right size for for who you are, your firm, and what it's taking on? I think five is the right size for us today. You know, but I I find that I'm somebody whose brain is constantly churning, so I'm always reevaluating. You know, is this correct? Um, and actually, this is a time of year that I really dive all the way in um, and come up with my vision for you know the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, it's funny because people who come to work for me say that I run the business like a corporation. And that's because of my past. For as small as it is, it it has that feel. But I also love that it has a 
familial kind of culture. Everyone that I hire is a high achiever. I use uh, Gallup Strength Finders to do an assessment. And if if achiever is not in the top 10 of their strengths, then they probably aren't going to be a good fit for our culture because we go like gangbusters. And then the other piece is that they have to be able to relate to others. So um, it's a balance here of accomplishment. And I, I, I think of it this way, even though it sounds corny, it's like accomplishment and love. It's like, we definitely want to be able to bond, not not only with each other, but with our clientele, our vendors, you know, everyone in which we, with, with whom we come in contact, obviously, but, you know, but then also we get the job done. Well, you know, the love thing, that's my favorite part of it, but, you know, <laughs> thinking about you're in these people's homes, you're in their drawers, you're, you know, knowing everything about them. They, they want to be excited about every time you come into their house, every time they have to get on the phone, they have to really like you, if not love you. So you have to feel good about the people that you're presenting. I mean, it's it rubs off on you, you know. No, I I do think that that's very true. Um, and although I do know, you know, some firms that's not necessarily what they hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, especially if they if they do commercial, you know, it's not quite as important. But I think it, to your point, Jane, when you're in residential, it is extremely personal. You know, we're in their drawers and we're in their drawers. I mean, like we're moving underwear too sometimes, you know, <laughs> like so. Hopefully um, clean underwear. <laughs> sometimes not. <laughs> that's that's a story for another day. That's yeah. another um, story, yeah. For another issue. <laughs> that's for another issue, exactly. But, um, but yeah, you know, I remember when I was working in corporate, we used to work with a, an advertising agency. And we were bogged down with all this data and the whole hum of every day. But I tell you, every time we knew the advertising agency was coming in to present something creative, it was the best. And I always want us to show up as that entity when we enter a space, when we answer the phone, you know, when we, when we are responding to an email. And, and we've had clients say to us, oh, I love getting these emails from you. So I want us to always be able to own that space. What is your favorite part of the design process or of being a designer? And what is your least favorite part? You know, it, it, my favorite part used to be the day of the installation. And then I kind of got, I kind of went away from that because there's so many moving parts. There's so many things that can go wrong, <laughs> you know, so it's joy and it's also stress at the same time. Um, once that's over and we do the grand reveal, that's lovely. I, I do really enjoy that. But I think that when I'm really in my flow, Jane, is when it's quiet. I have one day a week that is just for me to design when there's no interruption. And I'm just channeling that person. It is, it, you talk about love. I mean, it's, it's a love relationship. Um, I remember even, um, we often have clients who come to us who, I think require healing, which is a privilege for us to be able to try to provide that, you know, to our clientele. Um, but one family that came to us was a husband and a couple of children, and the wife had just passed of breast cancer. And I remember being up late at night, like talking to her. Do you think they'll like that? They're gonna love this, aren't they? You know, so to me, like when I feel like when I'm at my best in design is, and it's when I'm in that flow, like I am 
in a spiritual flow of an offering. When you said talking to her, do you mean you were having an internal dialogue? Yeah. You actually, you were having an internal dialogue. I was having an internal dialogue. Every once in a while, I'd, I'd say it out loud. I mean, it was by myself, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but I would, and I would literally say like, you think, you think they're going to like this? You know, they're going to like that. The intention during which you are designing for somebody is so strong and so pure, you know, I mean, you are in that zone. I like have the goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I do think that that's also why I'm not as unique in that. I think that a lot of designers that get into residential, they are, you know, empathetic thinkers and feelers. But I do think that's also why we have to be selective with our clients, because there's so much that we're giving away of our souls that you have to be careful that you don't pick someone who's going to step on it mm, and not and not appreciate it. Who is your typical client? Do you have and how do they typically find you? Is it word of mouth or something else? I would say I have two typical clients. One is the client that finds us um, on the internet. I'll come back to that one. Another one is the one that finds us word of mouth. The one that finds us on the internet is kind of interesting to me because that person is almost always a Renaissance person. The person that can do a multitude of different things at the highest level, like just slicing and dicing, you know, at every point along the way. And um, they come to us primarily because the design is a little bit different. So when I'm talking on the phone almost to them for the first time, almost every time they say, I wanted you because I knew that you would do something that not everybody else has, or you would execute it a little bit differently, or your spaces have a uniqueness to them. So that's really how that client finds us. The word of mouth client usually comes to us because we are also very big on customer service and client advocacy. So um, those clients usually come because one of our existing or legacy clients has said to them, oh, they'll take good care of you. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Very cool. There's another question I have to ask that you that you had alluded to an uh, earlier email about you used to be a semi professional jazz singer. (laughs) I knew that was going to come back to haunt me. I was like, should I let them know that or should I not? (laughs) I love that, though. That's great. You know, I mean, and, we're going to invite you to our parties now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm always there. Louisiana girl is always there for a party. Okay. <laughs> you still sing at all? I sing periodically. It's funny because last year I decided that I was going to be more visible in that mm-hmm. also because I'd kind of like dampened that light a lot. Um, but it is a joy. It brings me joy to sing. And um, and I realize it makes other people happy when I sing. So, and I do, you know, I, I sing jazz, R&B, um, gospel, pop, you know, all of that. Um, but I do want to try to do it more, Andrea, especially because now that my children are, are teenagers, I think that, you know, I could be away a little bit more in the evenings. Um, and they wouldn't miss me as much as they would have when they were younger. What a great outlet too, just for, your, for another way to be creative and, and just be, be happy, I guess. 
That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about it too, that I realize is singing is oxygen because you have to use so much of it to, to fill your diaphragm that it's actually a freeing thing physically. So it brings calm also. That's great. I I always like to ask when the conversation goes to music, is there a song or two that you listen to that just like, you know, you cannot stay in your seat. You are up, you are like, you are flying, you know, gets you unstoppable. You can run five miles, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you know, Oh my gosh, Jane. <laughs> Honestly, this is what this is what happens when someone asks me a question like that. It's like my brain can't even focus on one thing. I love so many songs. Um oh, gosh. You like show tunes? I'm just curious. Um I, <laughs> I mean, I love show tunes, but I think this just like there's a song of the day. So the song to the song today is um, Whitney Houston. Um, I don't know, you know. Sometimes I don't even know why. Was, I, and I have two songs today: Whitney Houston and I have a gospel song um, called "Speak to Speak to My Heart." Right? Because I knew I was doing this podcast, and and so the song. I'm always about words and lyrics, so the song is about you know God. Um, let me speak the words that represent you. So that was kind of the song that I was singing just before we, you know, decided to hop on this little chat here. Um, And then earlier this morning, I was singing, and I will always love you. Hey, listeners, it's Jane Dagmey, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes, interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. So I was doing the Whitney Houston thing this morning. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's I'm like so a song excited. of every day is a different song. I don't know. <laughs> See, that's, but that's, but that's fine. And, and you actually answered the question fantastically because um, you told us what you listened to before you came on. So that was kind of like getting you ready or getting you pumped or getting you in the space of, you know, something which lifts you up, you know? Yes. Lifts you up. But you also, Lorna, we didn't Uh-oh. get to, I asked you about some of the things you like about design, but you didn't tell me. I would love to know like something that you're very happy to get off your plate. Actually, it has happened. And I'm so, hopefully my project manager will um, listen to this podcast and let, and she'll know how much I appreciate her. But remember, I was talking about, you know, all those little things that can go wrong. You know, I have now a right-hand person, and hopefully I won't get emotional. I'm an emotional person, by the way. Um, I have a right-hand person who takes care of all those little things so that I can think big, Mm. you know, and I don't have to be up at night um, stressing over, oh my gosh, this is going to go wrong. Because at the end of the day in this business, there are so many moving parts and there's so much that you cannot control. And yet, 
I want to be a control freak. I want to do it all perfectly, but but I can't. <laughs> but to know that I have somebody reliable who has the company's back is huge. So really it's the answer is it's all those little things, be it, you know, COVID right now, everything is delayed. Or just when we think we're getting ready to install a, a, a wonderful home, the sofa comes in damaged. <laughs> okay, so what are they going to sit on? You know, so then we have to pivot and figure out how we're going to address that issue. So, and it's so many things, you know, it's, it's, it can sometimes be overwhelming. So that would be my answer. Yeah. I, oh, that's good. That's a really good one. And uh, Andrea, I want to ask one more thing before I want to switch gears into, into edit, but if you have something to add on, then please do. But my last question for you on this part is I want to hear a little bit about your rebranding. What, why did you feel, you know what, it's time for a refresh. Like what were some of the things you were thinking about and what do you do about it? Well, interestingly, I don't know if it was as much my idea or the idea of someone else. One thing that I will say I'm smart enough to do is not trust that I know everything, even in an area in which I've been trained, right? So earlier this year, I uh, was on a chat with the Dove Agency about um, a panel that um, I was to speak on. And I was just talking to the business owner and she was just telling me about what they did and one thing that I'm really getting good at is trusting my gut and letting like these little pieces of intuition spur me to do something. So I just said, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And just so from out of the blue, then we wound up working together. And um, I, I had known that I am going to be expanding the business into something, I'll just say, relating to tabletop. I'll just say that, right? Um, and I also had determined that 2020 was going to be a, a year of unapologetic visibility. So then the question became, how is it that I want to show up? You know, and um, and so one of the one of the women from the from the agency said, we think that you might need a little bit of a refresh. She said to me, Lorna, you are a force. And I and I, at first I was like, what is this crazy chick talking about? <laughs> you know, but she says, Lorna, you are a force and your branding needs to show up that way to represent who you are. And so. To me, it was like another sign to say, okay, girl, you better own that power. So that's really what it's about is, is changing how I'm showing up and refreshing how I'm showing up because what may have suited me seven, eight years ago may not suit me today. Yeah. As, as people evolve and businesses evolve, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's exciting. That is exciting. So it is a work in progress right now. It's a work in progress. And hopefully they'll listen to this too. I'm slightly driving them crazy because I do have that marketing background. I know I'm, I know I'm asking them way too many questions and saying, can you tweak this? Can you try that? And I'm thinking, this is what my clients do to me. And hopefully they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not uh, too appalled by this, but yeah, I do ask questions. And will this rebranding include like a whole website relaunch? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Hopefully in the late January timeframe. That's what we're targeting. Wow. Uh, very soon. Well, mm -hmm. so 
I think, Andrea, that this is this unapologetic visibility is a great segue to (laughs) your guest editorship. So, um, well, I'm going to ask the first question. Well, actually, we know, Andrea and I know, because you told us um, during our Zoom meetings that you've been taking notes through the process. So I would rather not have the first question, and I would rather just turn it over to you and ask, what were you taking notes about? What were some of your observations? Okay, well, first I'm going to finish your segue, and then I'm going to go into that. So the, so the segue on the unapologetic visibility is, I may not have said yes to this opportunity one year ago. Um, and I'm saying um, Shonda Rhimes has a great book called The Year of Yes, right? Because she was so used to saying no that she decided she was going to say yes to everything. And I feel like that was maybe what I was doing. So I said yes to this before I knew what the heck I was getting myself into, <laughs> which is sometimes what I do. But I'm glad that I did. I'm so glad that I did. I, um, As far as the experience is concerned, I have to say I, I am so pleased with working with the two of you. I feel like we have been simpatico um, along this journey. And um, the woman who introduced us said, oh, you're going to love Jane. You guys are very similar in the way that you show up in the world. And I was like, okay, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> so, so then I meet Jane and I think I probably knew maybe two minutes in to the conversation. I was like, okay, yeah, she's a beast. I'm going to like her. We are, we are going to slay. And um, so I was sold. And so I think that I got so excited that I said, yes, as I said before, (laughs) before I really knew, (laughs) you know, what the, what the responsibilities were. Right. Well, I think, you know, for Andrew and I, this was a new a new endeavor too. I mean, we had to, you know, present it to our team and get their sign off on it. Um, and Andrea, I mean, you know, Andrea had some like, Oh, uh, I don't know how we're going to do this. Talk about that. What you were thinking, Andrea. Yeah, it it was, you know, I've never done this before. And it was interesting because if you bring someone in who hasn't gone through the publishing process and doesn't really know how those things work. I mean, sometimes even if you're in publishing, you have people who you know, an understanding of deadlines or accessibility or something. And it was, and that was my big fear was that we would bring someone in and, and, and how would this work? Would things come in on time? Would we be scrambling uh, and all those things? And it, it turned out to be, you were such a dream to work with. And the next guest oh. editor in chief is going to have big <laughs> shoes to fill because you came, I mean, I was, just you had such great ideas right off the bat. Uh, you mean you had you had ideas for each section. You came with a, a fantastic cover artist, which I'm very excited about. I, I mean, you were t- you were fully engaged with every aspect of the book, and you've been really accessible. You've done things on time. I mean, it's just like all that stuff is so wonderful. And knock on wood, we're going to you know close production with no issues, and it's been really a wonderful experience. And you really brought a lot to the table. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Andrea. 
you know, I, I, as I said, I, I didn't know um, how involved the process would be. And um, indeed, it is a full-time job, <laughs> which I quickly did come to learn. But, um, you know, as far as the deadlines and, you know, taking ownership and showing up at 100%, you know, I, I attribute that, you know, largely to coming from the Black experience. Because my parents always told me, some people can be average, but you have to be excellent at all times. And sometimes it's a bit of a weight, right, to carry. But, um, you know, being a woman of color, I think that, you know, most of us know, hey, man, we're representing a whole bunch of people. So it's not just about me potentially failing, but it's myself and my race, sometimes in outside of these instances, it's my gender, you know, succeeding. Mm -hmm. And if I am the first one, I have to make sure there's going to be a number two, there's going to be a a number 100 and so on. Wow. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Just that feeling of uh, responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not just to not to Andrea and I, <laughs> not to, you know, the, the people that read the magazine, but to your your colleagues, to your to other black females, to other black designers, um, designers of race. I want to know, did you think like so you brought us your ideas? You know, we had that idea meeting. Were you like nervous at all? Did you feel confident? Did you think we'd shoot them down? Because we pretty much were like, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. We like that better than the other, but yeah, that's all good. I mean, it was like, check, check, check. It went pretty easy. Yeah. I, um, once again, this was like, oh yeah, I have to come up with ideas. Right. Okay. It's, I didn't even tell you this, you know, I was coming back from a challenging site meeting and I think that I rolled in maybe a minute before our zoom call. And on the way, I was just like, God, you know that I've thought about this a little bit, but if you have any other ideas, I'll take them now. (laughs) So so at the stoplights, I was writing down, I was adding to my list. Okay, what about that? And I just got so psyched with your response and your enthusiasm because I was like, oh yeah, we are are getting ready to rock this. This is going to be great. So... (laughs) I think the collaboration is always an energetic process. And, you know, you, you, you planted a lot of seeds and I, it's so funny. I mean, I don't even know when our first meeting was, I'm thinking, was it like six weeks ago or seven weeks ago, but you know, it morphed a little bit, some of the ideas, especially for the inspiration section on the little things, but, Mm -hmm. but it just, it really flowed quite smoothly. And, um, and then you just, you know, I mean, what I loved was that you, introduced us to a whole crop of designers that maybe I'd heard a name or two, but really they were not in my, in my circle, in my orbit, and now they are. So, you know, tell us about those people, some of the people that you brought into the magazine and, and where you met them. Right. So um, one group that I brought in that I knew was going to kill it in the business article um, was people from the Design Trust, which is an organization of designers from around the country 
who are all about being at the top of their business, their design business. And um, it's it's called the design trust because it's a confidential relationship. So we discuss best practices, but we always have to sign documents to say that we're not going to reveal anything that has been discussed. But they're just they're just killing it at business, all of them. And so I knew that I wanted to incorporate some of those folks. And I, what I tried to do um, was to have representation from different geographic areas, from from you know gender representation, race representation. So I tried to do that throughout everyone that I invited to participate. Um, and then also BADG, the Black Artists and Designers Guild. I didn't invite. Um, some of those members. And uh, for example, Glennis, the, the artist, that is how I met her. And what a treat. And a, I mean, a phenom she is. Um, beautiful work. So that's primarily where the group came from. And then I picked a couple of other friends that I thought, oh, she's just sunshine. Um, this other one, she's killing it in Toronto. She's killing it in New Jersey. Let's grab her. She's doing this. So it just was like people would just come to mind and be like, oh, that's that's for her. And and I think pretty much the, the designers that you put your sights on bringing into the magazine this issue said yes. I mean, they pretty much they all responded to you like. I think I only had one that said no because they were too busy. <laughs> you know, good, for, good for them. But that was very nice. So I don't know if they said yes, because they wanted to be in the magazine or they were like, let me help this girl out. <laughs> Probably a combination of both. Either way, <laughs> either way we win. Exactly. <laughs> and so do they. And so, and do, they. so do they. You know, it's, I'm curious. Um, so again, this, we're talking a few days before our final close in the magazine. And um, so you haven't been through that and you're not going to go to the bitter end with us because that's a sort of like a in very tense process. And it's, it's, it's uh we're gonna spare you that, but um <laughs> you don't you don't want to see me break down in tears. <laughs> no, but something that I do, and I'm curious in your writing, because again, when you were talking about designing, and here you are designing and you're thinking of this woman and you're having a dialogue with her, when you take a, a colleague's information about their business and you it's time to put that into a story, which you did. There's a responsibility, right, to accurately reflect them. And sometimes I feel that responsibility greater than other times, you know, and it's like, will they like this? You know, will it? Did you feel any of that? I felt all of that and more. And I think, um, you know, we didn't really talk about this, but what I started to note was how many similarities they are between design and, and writing. Because when I was writing, I was in that same flow. Like I felt that spiritual offering again. And I was channeling, I think most I was channeling the reader. You know, like what, what do the readers, what are they going to benefit from hearing? You know, if I were this person, what would I want to know? What would be my, the nuggets that I would want to take away what is it that I'm going to close this magazine and go, oh my gosh, that was awesome that I read that. That is going to help me for the rest of the time I have this business or it's going to inspire me. So I was really thinking along those lines. And then I was thinking, let me make sure that I honor 
the person who submitted this, the commentary, this is the, their thoughts, their information. And I wanted to just be careful that, you know, we used um, enough of it and that they felt like what they said was represented authentically. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of balls in play when you're working with personalities and and on from many sides, you know, the, the person you're writing about and the people that will be reading it. And I think that that was the biggest thing that I didn't anticipate was the amount of logistics. You know, we've asked, I don't know, 15, 18 some odd people to to come and and submit things, you know, um, to this issue. And so and then going back and saying, hey, we have another question. We have three more questions. We got four. Photographer. Right. And I'm thinking, I hope we're still friends when this is all (laughs) when this is all over. But. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so there was, there was the the logistics actually was extremely time consuming, you know, cause the, with the writing, it's a creative flow. So even though it was time consuming, it didn't feel like it um, quite as much. And then simultaneously when all this writing is going on at night and on the weekends, um, I've got my daughter who's doing her college application saying to me, Hey mommy, I need you to, I need you to edit 90, words out of this essay. I need you to edit 40 out of this one and 25 out of that one. I'm like, oh my gosh, my head is spinning with words. Didn't we say we'd, we'd help you out with that? <laughs> yeah, so much for that. <laughs> you send those college essays our way. We'll send you the, all the stuff in the magazine. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> yeah. No, anymore. I, I love to slash copy. It's one of my favorite things. Okay, well, see, if you weren't doing your last crazy week this week, I would send you a few, actually. <laughs> I would love to read something anyway. I mean, try me, you know, if, if it's, um, try me. I feel I just, like I, I just may do that, Jane. I'm <laughs> going to ask permission and see if I can send you one. I would love it. And I'm, I'm totally serious. I'm so, I mean, I am known amongst my friends as like, of course, they're going to ask me to, you know, edit their kids essays, but, um, I'm, I'm open to, um, to one for sure. Okay. All right. Sold. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, okay, here's a question. Uh-oh. So here we are getting everything done. And like yesterday, somebody says, uh, I'm not able to get you the, what you needed for this column, basically. Um, yes. Sorry. So we have four days to close. How'd you feel then when you heard that? Okay, you want the honest answer? I do, I do. I felt like <laughs> that, that, okay, first of all, my favorite curse word starts with an S. I'm not going to say it here, but it's four <laughs> letters starts with an S. And I did that OS word. And then I felt, I, I sunk a little bit because I was like, man, you know, I've come this far and I felt being black. If I'm being honest, I felt being black. Like I did not want to fail. That's how I felt. and. I was like, I can, you know, I cannot, we're we're not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to show up this way. So, and that is my baggage. You know, that wasn't like, you know, that's just me. Um, But 
It also, but in a funny way, it kind of reminded me of what we deal with in interior design all the time. It's like, oh, geez, come on. You know, can we just get that table in, (laughs) you know, when you said it was going to come in so that we can make this client happy? So um, it's it was somewhat related to that. But this is what I've learned. And I and so for a moment, I sing and then I come back and I'm like, we get we're going to kill this again. First of all. You've been in it long enough where you had a backup plan. So yay, applause. Let's go, Jane. Let's do it. But the other thing that I've learned when problems arise in design anyway, then the design angels come in and they make it better. So for whatever reason that happened yesterday, whatever the whatever the solution is that is going to show up as a final is going to be better. We may not know why. Maybe somebody needed to see that space that's going to change their life life forever. We may never know what the reason is. Most of the time, I can see what the reason is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these things happen and they happen for a reason. So you just kind of just keep moving forward. So way to look at it, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of a variation of everything happens for a reason, right? Um, So this, I'm going to confess something to you. (laughs) I got, well, I I was multitasking at the time that I got your email about that. Right. And, and, but I think, um, you know, Andrea knew that I had a backup and um, which I'm thankful for. And I, I knew that I I wanted to let you know that it would be okay. But a couple of things that I've learned as a mother and a teacher, substitute teacher, I was like, and because education is always really important to me. And I want you to have the full editor experience. Uh-huh. I made you wait a little bit longer. I, I I made you just feel it a little bit. I didn't write to you right that second because I, oh. I wanted you. No, I wanted you to just be in that space of solution yeah. finding or, you know, yeah. feeling it. Um, yeah. And then and and. I and then I was like so excited to write to you and say it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We yeah. Got it. Like, because that's what we do for, I mean, you know, but I, but I wanted you to just to make sure just that you felt it because we go against that like right. a lot. So, so here's the funny thing about that, Jane. You probably could have, you probably could have emailed me back after like two seconds because I felt it immediately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no need to wait. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, like I said, really, it was just a split second. First of all, I didn't even know, I thought that your response was really quick. Um, but I had already started, I had already started solution. I was like, I got this one, this one, this one. This, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm getting ready. Cause it's just like, I drop for a moment and then it's just like, go back gangbusters. We gotta, we gotta do this. It's like, come on, we've come too far. We're gonna, we're gonna make this happen. So but that moment, that moment when you dropped was like, like, not something you want to feel on a daily basis, you know? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been there. So anything else, Miss Miss Guest Editor Lorna Gross? It's been so fun working with you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, you know, I want to thank you because um, one thing that we didn't share thus far, you know, in this chat is that, um, which I shared with you when we first met, is that 
at coming toward like the end, you know, of my career in design, I see myself writing and I love the written word. Like I adore the written word, uh, particularly when it's, when there's some creativity around it. Um, But I see myself sitting at a window, you know, for some reason, I've got the old school typewriter in front of me. I don't know. I can't explain that. (laughs) But I'm looking out the window and there's a little stream going by and I am in such a place of peace. And so I thank you for the opportunity, because to me, it is opening a window to show me this is another joy of yours, Lorna, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I And I'm so grateful for the opportunity of being able to be in that flow, too. And I think that that's the lesson for really anyone. Like there is not necessarily just one flow for a person. A person can be in the flow of design and be in the flow of writing. Somebody just doesn't have to be a physician. They can be a physician and a a painter. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like, don't let the world or even your own mind put limitations on what you can be or do. Right. Well, and, and you, you've written to us and you, you've um, quite eloquently that, you know, you have so many varied interests and you like expressing them. And yes, you are an interior designer and that's what you're spending a lot of time and energy right now, rebranding, but you're um, you know, you want to be in, take all your different parts and really be a source of light and yes, brightness and joy. Yes. And, you know, as I think of, you know, some of the people that will appear in this upcoming issue of the magazine, there's some of them that when I see, and you, I'm sure everybody has them in their their lives. When I see their name pop up on my phone and text or my email, I'm like, it's this person. And they are absolutely sunshine. And that is how I want to show up from a um, from a perspective of how I make people feel, but I also want to show up as a mass of light that just blows it out. You know, just crank, pull that lever back, and all of a sudden it's full power. So um, I love the word illuminate because I think it encompasses all of that, and um, that's just. You know, that's how I want to live my life moving forward until my last day. Thanks so much for listening to Said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.